We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 45. Our guest today is an amazing example of what talent and a little hard work can do. Starting showing competitively at the age of six, she has had tons of exposure and tons of practice to really hone in on her craft and make it a career for herself. She has had tons of wins and success, including youth set finals, junior hunter finals, North American Youth Championships, and so much more. So here to talk to us today is Daisy Farish. So happy you made it on the podcast today. Would love to kind of jump right in and talk about how you got into the equestrian world. I know you have some family in the horse world. Would love to kind of hear how all of that got started. Uh, Yeah, so uh, horses kind of go back pretty deep on both sides of my family and my mother's and my father's. Um, I grew up on a thoroughbred racehorse breeding farm in Versailles, Kentucky, actually. And um, my father runs our thoroughbred breeding farm, Lanes End Farm. So I grew up sort of surrounded by horses in that sense. And uh, my mother actually rode hunter jumpers as a kid. And my two older sisters rode uh, when I was growing up. So we had a um, little barn in the back of the farm that that's where it sort of all started when I was, uh, I was too young to remember, honestly, but um, I sort of got into showing when I was about six years old. Wow. Okay, cool. And I feel like you might be, I mean, you're a little bit young. I feel like a, a, just a little bit before you, it was still popular to have thoroughbreds in the hunter division. And obviously there still is like a hunter specific division, but did you, uh, growing up, were you riding, um, thoroughbreds or were you, uh, doing stuff with your mom in the hunter jumper world with warm bloods? What did that look like? Um, you know, I've always sort of had, you know, I, at that point when I was so young, I was riding ponies, so it wasn't mm-hmm. so, um, relevant for me but my dad has a few times given me um you know off the track thoroughbreds when I was younger that I you know never ended up showing but played around with at home at the farm awesome so cool so your family's in Kentucky you grew up showing in Kentucky at what point did you realize like okay I really enjoy this I'm really good at it and I want to kind of take it to the next level? I started actually um, riding with Heritage Farm when I was six years old. Okay, awesome. And I actually ended up riding there for 11 years all throughout my junior years. And they were, I mean, so incredible. I think I ended up starting to be serious about it at an age that I didn't even realize I was starting to be (laughs) serious about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, they just taught me so much about, you know, and got me so into the competitive side of it. And, and I learned, I can't even begin to tell you what I, how much I learned there in Mm -hmm. the time I was there. Um, and then 
you know, I always took it very seriously throughout my junior years. It was really my main focus. I, um, and then shortly after my junior years, I was an amateur of that following circuit for about three months. And I just couldn't sit on my hands any longer. And I wanted <laughs> to start, um, you know, as a professional as soon as I could. So happened pretty quickly so anyways. Yeah, totally. So you were, um, right after high school, you decided to, okay, give, give the amateur thing a go. Um, what was that? I mean, you said you didn't want to sit on your hands any longer and you wanted to kind of take that plunge into the professional world. Um, what, what were some of those, I guess, like feelings or or situations that made you finally decide to uh, make that transition? Um, coming out of my junior years, I had a, especially I'd say my last junior year was extremely busy, which was, mm. uh, I'm very grateful for. It was a incredible few years that I had in the junior yeah. years. And, um, I think I had convinced myself sort of that it was going to be a nice little break as an amateur mm-hmm. and, um, <clears throat> I would have a little bit of a easier few shows and then um I got bored really quickly (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I think yeah if you are having such a crazy schedule um that you know dropping down into something like that must have been very foreign to you yeah and I think I'd kind of convinced myself in my head that it was going to be um you know that I was going to like it and it was going to be enjoyable and then I realized very quickly that I missed um, being so busy. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so you were you were under the instruction of Heritage Farm for such a long time. I mean, what are what are some things? I mean, obviously, as you were mentioning before, there's so much knowledge that you learned from being in a program like that for for such a good chunk of your riding career. Um, what are some things that you feel like you really try to embody and, and keep with you on a daily basis, you know, as now that you are um, a part of a new team and you are helping clients and, and being a part of a new program, um, how does that kind of uh, lend itself from your experience with Heritage? Um, there are a few things. I think I had a little bit of a unique experience training growing up because I was with them for so long from such a young age. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing was that I was taught, you know, all the things that we're taught in the equitation as junior riders since I was six years old about Mm -hmm. position and, you know, execution. And I was practicing on my small ponies, those equitation courses that I ended up practicing when I was 17. Right. And that, I think really made my junior years so much smoother. Mm-hmm. And um, another thing that Heritage, I think, does as well as anyone is their business is run so professionally. Mm-hmm. And um, being there for so long and seeing all the different clients that, you know, came through and stayed there for so long and all of that, I learned so much that I didn't even realize until I started as a professional that I had observed, but, um, yeah, I mean, Andre and his whole team, Patricia, Lena, Dottie, all of them do an incredible job with that as well. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, 
tell me a little bit about your family dynamic, because obviously you are on the road a lot um, now that you're working with Ashland and you are, um, I guess in, in the summer, are you based in Kentucky at all or are you continuing to travel elsewhere? Um, for the first time, now that I'm based with Ashland, I'm actually in Kentucky quite a bit, which is okay. um, not used to. Yeah. Uh, riding with Heritage, I pretty much spent most of the year that I wasn't in Wellington in New York. Okay. Um, so this is actually the most I've ever been in my home state. <laughs> yeah, I am in Kentucky a solid portion of the summer, I would say. We do most of the Kentucky shows over the spring and summer. Mm-hmm. And then we also go to the Hampton Classic, um, a three weeks of Michigan. And um, then, of course, the fall season rolls around and we head to indoors. Yeah, very cool. Um, how was that growing up when you were um, traveling so much? I mean, were your parents coming along? Obviously, they had a business to run at home. What did that look like? Um, so I'm actually one of eight kids. Wow. And so my parents weren't exactly available to come with me every weekend to shows and whatnot sure. with my s- seven other siblings at home. Yeah. Um, so I actually had um, someone with me who sort of oversaw my horses because they also lived with me at home in Kentucky some of the time. Okay. Um, and she traveled with me to um, New York for the most part and those places, especially when I was so young. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What age would you say that started where you started traveling with her? Um, well, when I started at Heritage, I was only six, but my um, two older sisters also rode there and they were, they're a bit older. They were probably 14. Okay. And um, so we all started going together and then nice. I, yeah. You continued. Yeah. At what point did you, um, I assume you, um, kind of like transitioned into homeschool at a pretty young age. Yeah. Or did you Okay, what what was that like and and kind of like at what point in time did you do that? So I went to a school in Lexington um through 8th grade and they were just luckily like super compliant with everything I was doing. Nice. And um was able to sort of juggle that. And then I did one year of high school in uh, a school in Lexington and they were actually great and really helped me. But then I, at that point I was so into the riding that I couldn't even like go back for a week to go back to school. Mm-hmm. So that is when I did, I actually did online school instead of homeschool mm-hmm. and um, just sort of kept up with that myself and with the help of Wendy Solomon, who just sort of made sure I stayed on track and didn't get behind in my school. Yeah. Um, so that is how, and I ended up doing that for the rest of high school. Okay, cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about your junior career. Um, you have a ton of accomplishments and and it seemed kind of like all of the pieces and all of the work that you had put in was coming together. Um, what are some highlights of your junior years? Um, if I, I would say my three, uh, favorite moments were the USCT finals 
mm-hmm. um, the Prix States individual gold medal and the Young Riders individual gold medal. So cool. Um, what was going through your head, um, kind of like leading up to those moments and, and how do you do with, uh, I mean, with events so huge, I I mean, do you get nervous or do you feel like you've kind of from riding and, and, and showing at a particular level for so long that those nerves aren't as, you know, as there or as. Um, strong. What, how did you get through uh, doing those events like that? I would, I'm not going to lie. I struggled with it for the longest time, especially okay. in the equitation. And I think the biggest thing for me was that I was purely just repetition mm-hmm. because when it ended up getting to those finals, I, I wouldn't say nervous, but I would put an unhealthy amount of pressure on myself basically yeah yeah. and not coming from anyone else but just myself just wanting it so badly Mm -hmm. and that I think was something I had to learn basically by being put in the situation and I ended up I did I started doing the equitation finals when I was about 12 so I did it plenty of times yeah and by the last year rolled around, I think I had my head a little bit um, more where I needed it. But okay, I just had to let my or make myself not get, um, you know, so caught up. And like, for instance, for young riders, I never checked the individual standing points once. You know, I never mm-hmm. looked at where I was or who was coming up behind me and how they were doing. I, I have to shut all of that out and just focus round to round so yeah is that something that you used to do all the time uh yeah I will <laughs> I want to check so badly because oh, yeah. the competitive side of me wants to you know strategize and plan it out but I mean you can't and it it's not helpful in the end so mm-hmm. yeah yeah I know for a lot of people that uh, usually makes it worse so some can some can handle it and some somehow it gives them some sort of peace going into the ring it's ne- that was it was never that way for me and I don't know how people do that um, but yeah I feel like that was a, a good call on your end for sure Wanted to take a minute and tell you just a little bit more about Crenier. Crenier is an equestrian apparel brand that provides female riders with innovative and sophisticated English riding uniforms. Between the selection of high technical fabrics and high couture designs, Crenier's main purpose is to enhance the rider's performance in the ring while still looking stylish and chic. Their collections represent what they love about the world that we live in. To enjoy their products, visit them online at crenierlife.com or follow them on Instagram at Crenier underscore life. That is C-R-I-N-I-E-R-E underscore life. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Tell me a little bit about your transition into, uh, I guess, your focus on the jumpers. When did you start um, going into the jumper division? Um, I started jumper, I believe actually my first course after off of ponies was a jumper and um I sort of always had a very even balance between that I would say my main focus um and the juniors were jumpers and equitation Mm -hmm. I ended up showing a lot of hunters but um I never actually had one of my own okay uh so I always I would say my 
most of my horses that I ended up having um, myself were jumpers. Okay, cool. Um, tell me a little bit about your catch riding process, because obviously you were riding successfully in um, the equitation and the jumpers. Were, uh, how were you able to manage and kind of uh, schedule out the time to make all of those rides work? And, and what was, I guess, like on any given weekend, what were, what were the average number of horses that you were showing? I would say most of that um, really went through my barn and my trainers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would always, you know, ask them first about riding a horse and it would usually fit into the schedule um, around them. Right. And um, things my last junior year were a little bit crazy. And I went, I went back after circuit and looked through it and I was showing in 40 to 50 classes a week. <laughs> including schooling jumpers and all that but yeah um yeah I, I was so fortunate to show so many horses that last year wow that's awesome uh so cool so kind of looking ahead um you what year did you graduate high school um 2019 okay cool so now you are working full-time uh, for ashland farm was there any thought in continuing uh, school? Were you thinking of college? Were you, I, I know, I think for a minute you were um, wanting to take a break and kind of decide where are you at now with that? Yeah. So I actually, uh, my junior years were a little weird where I have a, I was the year I aged out, I was still in high school. Mm-hmm. So um, those first three months as an amateur, that was my senior year of high school. Right. And um I actually was planning on going to college and I visited all the schools and applied and I was making up my mind. And then I don't even remember what it was, but I was like, I don't want to do it. No, I want to ride. And Mm -hmm. it was like a flip switched and I was like, no, not for me. Yeah. Got it. Cool. And is that still something, uh, still like a similar thought as far as moving forward in your career that you want to continue with horses, um, full time? Yes. Um, I definitely want to ride professionally and I want, you know, this to be my career. I wanted to leave the door open for school. If I, you know, ever wanted to go, I didn't close that door, but, um, is it now I this would just be I would just be starting if I had taken a gap year actually so right yeah that would be tough for sure yeah. um I feel like there's such an emphasis on um on college and, and taking that time and whatever but um on the flip side there is such a challenge in removing yourself from the industry for that amount of time and then coming back afterwards and expecting to kind of pick up where you left off. And that's just really a, a really hard ask from people. You know, I mean, yeah. like you were saying yourself, I mean, a lot of your success, you um, look back to uh, just the amount of rides and the amount of time in the ring that you got um, and, and kind of having that time taken away from you um, during something like school. Uh, that would be super challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, tell me a little bit. I mean, as the Wellington circuit is coming to a close, um, what does a normal uh, week at WEF look like for you? Um, A normal week 
for me, I work at working at Ashland. Um, starts on Tuesday when we set our course and have our barn meeting. And then um, most of that day consists of uh, warm-ups and schooling uh, the horses for the week that are showing. And um, then the beginning of my week, Wednesday, Thursday, is primarily me and um, Michael Murphy, who I who was also a rider at Ashland. That's when we are either showing um, ourselves, either the hunters that um, we're showing that week, the jumpers, or the s- schooling rounds we're doing on equitation horses, etc. Mm-hmm. And um, then Friday rolls around, and it's full force equitation. Yeah. Um, and then over the weekend is usually, you know, hunters, uh, junior jumpers, more equitation training and riding. And then um, on the occasion, if I'm showing an FEI that week, that's also when I will show. But Okay, cool. And you have your horse, um, your gray horse, great white? Yes. Okay. And then is he kind of within the Ashland program? And then you show him uh, kind of like weave it in with your work schedule? Yeah. So he's, uh, he lives with Ashland and is under their care and, um, they train him, train me on him and let me show him and all that. So he's fully a part of the barn. Awesome. Um, tell me a little bit about your partnership with him and, and how that started. Uh, so I got him when he was seven, um, and he really hadn't done much. But um, he was, we had saw him and someone showed him to us and tried him. And he was, you know, had a lot of talent. He had a lot of um, promise, we thought. Um, and so we ended up getting him. And uh, we had a, I've had him for, must be four years now, maybe five. And um, he's been so incredible. I mean, we had a, he was seven. I forget at the time that he was seven, but so we had a flow first year or two maybe. And then, um, we really clicked and bonded and he figured out, I figured it out. And it's been a really fun journey because, you know, having him as a young horse and I was young, I was probably 16 and, you know, he's taken me to a level that I had no real, you know, I had no idea he was going to be able to jump what he's jumped. Mm -hmm. So those were all of our you know, my first FEI Grand Prix or his first FEI Grand Prix and wow. so forth. So that part of it is, is really fun and special, I think. Yeah. Um, how do you find the balance between work and continuing your career um, with uh, taking him in classes? What, what does that look like? And, and is that something that's, that you found really difficult to juggle? Um, you know, I think as far as um, everyone at Ashland, they're extremely, extremely supportive of, of that. And for both myself and Michael, we both um, have so much opportunity for, you know, our own careers as riders. Mm-hmm. And they not only like support that, but push that for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the only struggle really is, is making yourself step away. You know, if I have a kid showing at the same time and that I'm showing, it's hard for me to you know, remove myself and focus on myself, but that's only, um, coming from me and not from anyone else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's so cool. Um, awesome. So 
while you are kind of paving your own way, who are some brands? I know that uh, Victoria um, from Crenier, you're you're part of that family. Um, how did you two meet, and what does that kind of partnership look like with Crenier? Um, so actually, Victoria's sister works with me at Ashwin Farm, and that's how I met her. Cool. And um, she gave me a few of her practice and show shirts to try out, and. I loved them immediately. They were great. They're super stylish and comfortable. And I think they look very nice in the show ring as well. She gave me a few to try and they were great. And she gave me a few more and I really (laughs) enjoy them. Awesome. What are your uh, like go-to brands for show jackets or show shirts or your favorite breeches? Um, Show jackets, uh, Charles and Kona, I've been partnered with for quite a while now. Show shirts, of course, Grenier, and I also uh, always use Essex Classics for the Hunter ring. Yeah. And um, show breeches, I would say my favorite uh, breeches are Equiline. Awesome. Perfect. Um, Um, Boots. Fabri boots are the best boots. Oh, yeah. Have you been in Fabri for a while? Uh, Yeah, I would say probably four years now. Nice. Um, what would be, um, advice that you could give to another, um, individual looking to go through, um, I guess something similar as far as join a, an existing barn and work with them, whether that's as like a working student or as a young professional, how would you go about making those connections and finding a position like you have now? You know, I think the first thing as far as finding a position is, you know, everyone knows someone, you know, whether it's your trainer that you've had current or in the past or a friend that, you know, that works somewhere, Mm -hmm. everyone, you know, knows one of those people and all of those people know people and any connection that you have that you can reach out to, you know, whether it may seem big or small can lead to a super great opportunity. Sure. And um, <clears throat> I think that that's the biggest thing. And I think you just have to, you know, take the plunge and give it a try. And maybe that's not the one for you, but you learn from that going forward for the next opportunity. Totally. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Um, what would be an area of the industry um, that you're particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the industry either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk enough about? I would think that the one thing that we maybe don't like, I think everyone's maybe aware of it, but we don't maybe do enough about is the issue of balancing school as a kid or even as an amateur in college. It's mm-hmm. something that's very difficult and I think it's actually gotten better. There are so many more tutoring services now available mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, being in real school, if you're down here all weekend, it, it's, it's really not easy. And, you know, it's something that even as someone who's training now and, you know, a kid would be say, you know, they can't come at this time. So they got school and whatever. And, yeah. You almost find yourself, I find myself almost being frustrated, like, oh, that's silly. But it <laughs> is, 
yeah. I was there like eight, two years ago and it's, it's not easy. And it's something that we have to make time for and be aware of for all yeah. the kids here now. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, even with, with my girls, uh, there, I mean, I ha I have my position because they go to physical school, so they don't, they need to have a trainer at home and then, um, but it's definitely a very unique situation because most kids that are, are showing at that level are doing virtual school or online school. And, um, so it makes, it sometimes makes the kids who do still need to go to a physical school, um, you know, a whole new set of challenges, uh, kind of come in place because, uh, for one, they're not riding their show horses day in and day out. Um, they are under different, you know, set of instruction and then just the logistics of travel and going back and forth and not really being settled. Um, it's, it's super challenging. So I, I'm glad that you shed some light on that. Is there, I mean, I would have to agree. There's definitely seems like there's been more opportunities to make that situation easier. But do you think that um, there's anything that we can do um, as trainers or having gone through that in the past to make that situation a little bit easier? And I think it mostly from our standpoint is probably just, you know, being aware of it and understanding of it. You know, to a certain point, it's not up to us, obviously, um, you know, to keep yeah. up with their kids' schoolwork, but they, you know, have to give them enough time and whether that be being prepared with scheduling or having a plan for the week or whatnot. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would say that there's one thing really that we can do so much to help, but I think overall as the industry has um, sort of taken on that role as far as, mm -hmm. you know, the tutoring services that are available now, and all that is very helpful. Yeah, totally. And yeah, like what you were touching on, I think organization um, for scheduling and just overall understanding that, yeah, it sucks that maybe those kids can't be there as often, but uh, you, you've been in their shoes and you see where they're coming yeah. from and that they have to do what they have to do. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and that's something in the industry that, yeah, definitely doesn't get talked about enough, but um is definitely there, definitely real and something that a lot of kids and juniors and, and adult amateurs go through um, on a consistent basis. But Daisy, I just wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the Equestrian Podcast. You are a wealth of knowledge and I think a unique area within the industry that a lot of people kind of wanted to hear your story. So thank you again and I wish you all the best. Well, thank you for having me. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.